Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am Doris Hansen, your host for Polygamy, What Love Is This? We want to thank you for uh, spending part of your evening with us tonight. And before we get started on our interview, I do have a few announcements that they all seem to have come together that I need to mention tonight. First of all, I was just handed this flyer about the uh, Grace Community Bible Church is hosting Norman Geisler, Dr. Norman Geisler, this coming Sunday on the uh, 23rd from 1 to 3.30 p.m. He's going to be talking about how to interpret the Bible and dealing with alleged errors in the Bible. He's a wonderful teacher, and he has written, I mean, probably close to 100 books. Um, the the uh, address for Grace Community Bible Church is 11592 South, 1300 East in Sandy. If you don't get that, uh, we couldn't put it on the screen because I just barely got the flyer, uh, but you can call in and get the address. Also, this Saturday, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, September 15th, is the Good News Celebration. It's kind of a revival Good News Celebration that's taking place in Spanish Fork. The address is 1800 West, 7300 South. In Spanish Fork. It's free admission. There'll be food and games and giveaways and music by the Adams Road Band. Several speakers will be there. I've been invited uh, to talk, and I'll be talking from 11:30 a.m. to 12:15. Uh, for more information, you can call 801-358-8650. It's from 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. Saturday, September 15th. So we hope to see a lot of you there. <clears throat> and the Utah County ex-Mormon support group would normally meet next Tuesday the 18th. However, they are redirecting their meeting, inviting you all to the Good News Celebration on the 15th. If you have any questions about that, you can email way61 at hotmail.com. There are some excellent speakers that you can chat with and answer any questions or concerns that you may have as you transition from Mormon error to biblical truths. Um, and, of course, the Adams Road Band will be at the Box Elder Middle School Auditorium in Brigham City on Friday. That's tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And it's going to be um, at 18 South 500 East. Uh, the mission is free. That's uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, the Adams Road Band. And then next Thursday, the Adams Road Band will be our guests again on our show. We always enjoy having them as our guests. We always have a great time. So if you have any questions or comments that you would like to say to the band, write it down and call in next week. And... Todd Friel, who hosts the Wretched program on this TV station and also hosts the radio program weekday afternoons on AM820, uh, which, by the way, is a great Christian radio station featuring awesome Christian and biblical teachings throughout each day. Todd Friel will, be, Friel will be here September 28th through the 30th. He's going to be speaking at the UPFC banquet Friday night, the 28th, in Layton, Utah. And you can go to upfc.org for information and reservations. 
Christians. Saturday the 29th, he hosts a Joy in the Home conference, and that conference is for families and for couples. It'll be at Mill Creek Baptist Church, 1515 East, 4500 South, from 9 a.m. to noon. And Sunday morning, Todd Friel will be the guest preacher at the Mill Creek Baptist Church from 1045 a.m. till noon. So we invite you all to come to one or all of these events and be blessed with us as we seek God's message for us um, in these events. Very quickly, I would like to say a disclaimer before tonight's show. You know, we often look at religious problems of this culture, and when we say Mormonism, we are inclusive of the LDS Church and every single Mormon polygamous group and any other offshoot of Joseph Smith's Mormonism. We get complaints from some of our viewers who criticize us for not focusing only on polygamy in our shows. But polygamists also need to be aware of false prophets and false teachers of other religions. They also need to have a comparison of biblical truths and they need to know the true history of Mormonism and what's going on with the mother church today. It wasn't until I discovered that many of the original Mormon membership were <clears throat> violent and vengeful and ungodly people that lying for the Lord was encouraged and blood atonement was practiced. It wasn't until I found that out that I actually was freed up in my own mind and in my own spirit to search for biblical truths. We want this same freedom for all who are in bondage to Mormonism's counterfeit gospel today. Although tonight's guest was not raised in our culture, many of the teachings that his group taught reflected much of what Joseph Smith taught. He is a licensed minister and has served in various capacities for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been a pastor and an associate pastor and also an instructor in theology. He's been involved with research, editing, and contributing to a number of writings and publications. These includes the book, The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. In fact, he has contributed to several of the late Walter Martin's publications. He's the author of the book Mormonism, published by Zondervan in 1995. He contributed to the book Truth and Error by Dr. Alan Gomes, also published by Zondervan in 1998. His other accomplishments are too many to mention here. He was a member of a cultic religion called Children of God, and the leader was Moses David Berg. I'd like to introduce and welcome our guest tonight, Mr. Kurt Van Gordon. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. You've got lots to talk about. You are currently the director and the missionary for Utah Gospel Missions and Jude 3 Missions? That is correct. Would the Utah Gospel Mission I actually started here in Salt Lake City in 1898. I'm not that old, but I almost <laughs> look it. The uh, mission began with John Dean Nutting as a member of the ministerial board, and I actually have the original signed minister's meeting of the Ministerial Association of 1898, signing it, saying that they want the Utah Gospel Mission to start at that time to be an outreach to Utah and the Rocky Mountain states, especially for the people of the LDS community. Uh -huh. The ministers at that time saw it as an evangelistic effort. They saw that as a mission field mm -hmm. here in America. Absolutely. And so then I took it over in 1979 from the family. I knew John Morley Nutting, his son. I know his uh, granddaughter very well. She's on our advisory board. Oh. And uh, she's still living today. And, and uh, 
I took it over in 1979, been training missionaries, hundreds of them, ever since then. We've, we've trained over 400 missionaries to do mission work. So it's a very active mission work to bring the true gospel of Jesus Christ to the Mormon culture. That is true. That and the polygamous culture as well. Do you have a website um, for, yes. for your ministry? It is www.utahgospelmission.org. Utahgospelmission.org. Just run the word together and... Org. Okay, so if anybody wants to go on there, they can look it up and yes. see exactly what you're up to there. That's correct. Okay, so you came out of a religious group. Now, we're, we're not talking about a Mormon-based religious group, but and you're going to explain in a little bit mm -hmm. why the, the parallel is so great. We're going to discuss some of the parallels. And it was called the Children of God, mm -hmm. and their leader was Moses David Berg. But before we get into your personal story, would you give a little background information about this particular religious belief system for yes. maybe viewers who are not familiar with them? Well, the Children of God began with Moses David Berg, uh, affectionately known as Mo to all of us who followed him. Uh, we had him as a prophet. He was called the end time prophet by us. And uh, he gave some 4,000 revelations. And Whoa. we have them in bound volumes, just like the LDS have their bound volumes with their new scripture. Uh, it looks quite a bit like the Doctrine and Covenants, where it's just one revelation after another. Uh -huh. Now, Moses David Berg came out of a Christian denomination. He was a pastor for the uh, Christian Missionary and Alliance Church, a very wow. solid denomination. Uh -huh. And then he went into Teen Challenge, which was a very solid group too, and ran the Teen Challenge uh, operation in Huntington Beach, California in 1968. Wow. Well, with all the hippies around, he saw that as a place where he could go out and, and evangelize these people for Teen Challenge and bring them into his group. And he did that. And then uh, this started what was called a portion of the Jesus movement. The Children of God was very active in that. Uh, many larger parts of the Jesus movement back in the late 1960s, early 70s when I got saved, uh, many parts of the Jesus movement ended up joining him. Uh, Linda Meisner, who led the Jesus People Army, uh, which totally swept through the uh, Oregon, Washington, and, and uh, northwestern area of the United States. Uh, they all joined the Children of God. Wow. Uh, there were others, 100,000 people joined this before I did. That's one of the things that appealed to me. I, I saw all these people joining it from the Jesus movement, mm -hmm. and I had just been saved, but I wasn't schooled in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And because I lacked the foundation in the Bible, when I was passing out gospel tracts and I ran into someone from the Children of God uh, handing out their literature, they asked me to join in with them doing that. And so that's what appealed to me, was somebody on the streets passing out literature. Yeah. And so then they told me about Moses David Berg, they introduced his writings to me. I saw him as what I thought, an end-time prophet, giving prophecies for today. Huh. And his doctrines then began to parallel Joseph Smith's after a while. He even That's gave credit to Joseph Smith for some of his doctrines. That is so interesting. And, and it, makes, it makes you think, uh, of course, God gave us guidelines in the Bible. Like you say, you weren't, you weren't uh, biblically up to uh, Right. To, to there was no yet. biblical foundation. It just... But, how what he's given us the standard to tr to test these prophets mm -hmm. like Moses David Berg and Joseph Smith, and and so many others that have popped up, um, which proves once again that there has to be a measuring line. There has That's to be right. a measuring stick for truth. That's right. You can't just trust anybody, that, especially That's right. when they so parallel so closely to these two that we're going to be talking about. Now, the, the children of God were into polygamy. They were with the polygamous relationships between members or just between certain people well, in the you, group? Well, you a few moments ago had a picture of Moses David Berg on the air. I have another 
uh, photograph of him with some of his polygamous wives. Uh, these, this photograph was taken in Germany toward the end of his career, uh, but he had Maria as one of his wives. He actually had five wives altogether, but he also wow. had a number of other women. This is uh, one of his wives right here. Uh, oh another one on the other side of him. But he had all these women doing what was called furty fishing. It was a very sexually oriented group after I got out of it. Hmm. In 1973, the year after I got out, they became uh, known as a sex cult because he uh, taught polygamy. He taught uh, furty fishing, which is where the women would go out and try to bring people in and convert them to the kingdom of God through... Uh, basically prostituting themselves. They misuse the scripture that no love has a man, or no greater love has a man than this. Then he lays down his life for his oh friends. So they thought, laying, and this is what Moses taught, Moses David Berg taught, that laying your life down meant going to bed with someone to bring them into the kingdom of God. Oh, and so the men and women wow. did this. Wow. That, that just kind so of... it's no surprise they got into polygamy if they were yeah, doing that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the polygamy came first and that came second. Now, you mentioned that his first revelation on polygamy was March 27th in 1973. I think you've got that revelation, some of them that you want to share with us. Uh, yes, I can go into some of the teachings he gave. Uh, his first revelation was actually in 1970 on polygamy where he said, Western society forbids simultaneous polygamy while it instills on a or ins insists on sequential polygamy, while God's law strictly forbids sequential polygamy. Now, sequential polygamy, by the way, is what he's calling divorce and remarriage. Mm -hmm. He's calling that sequential mm -hmm. polygamy. I have had Latter-day Saints use that same argument. I have I've had, as well. I've had fundamentalist Mormons use that yeah. same argument on me. Yeah, but he was using that argument in 1973. Yeah. Sequential polygamy and obviously permitted simultaneous polygamy uh, instead. What a contradiction between the laws of God and the laws of man. So he blamed God for this, between the laws of the Lord and the laws of the church. Now he gave another revelation uh, called Revolutionary Women in 1973 where he goes further on this. And he says in populating the world, he used polygamy as a way to bring people into the kingdom of God through population. Uh -huh. In populating the world, polygamy or multiple wives was one of the most rapid ways of doing it. Because one man is very well able to uh, keep quiet a few wives supplied with uh, children. In fact, all the children they can handle. Uh, then he taught in 1975 in verse 16. And we also took his revelations and they put them in verses, just like they do the Bible, just like they do with Joseph Smith's revelations. Mm -hmm. uh, in his revelation called Picking Up the Pieces in 1975. It's like the differences between monogamy and polygamy. One man loving more women may well have more problems, but it's bound to produce more children, see the children argument here, mm -hmm. uh, than the old ineffective one-to-one -one method. Then verse 17, of course this may wear one man down a little faster, but he'll get there quicker. Whereas one man with only one woman can only produce a theoretical maximum of 10 children in 10 years, one man with 10 women can produce 100 in the same length of time. And isn't that similar to one of Brigham Young's arguments? <laughs> you know, and, and what I have to say is, first of all, so what? Uh, secondly, um, one man 
with 10 women, he says, can have 100 children in 10 years. Yes. Well, one, 10 men, each with one wife, can also have 100 children within 10 <laughs> years. They don't need to have multiple. I mean, it can be done either That's right. way, That's right. God's way or their way. Yes. And since the rate, birth ratio is one-to-one -one male, female, 10 men, one man taking 10 women cheats nine men out of a wife. That's right. But they had more women joining the group than they did men anyway, so they, they covered for that. Oh, my goodness. Very much like what Joseph Smith uh, gave in his revelations and what Brigham Young said also concerning propagation. Now, the final revelation we could look at was when uh, Moe said that he defended polygamy, but this I found unique in his writings. He actually uh, endorsed what the Mormons were doing and what uh, Joseph Smith said. He said this in uh, his revelation called Precious Jewels in 1993. So this is several years after his first revelation. Mm -hmm. I dreamt about the Mormons last night. We really have a lot in common with them. Whoa. So that's an interesting <laughs> statement. In verse 32, after Joseph Smith was literally martyred, Brigham Young took over, and the Mormons kept moving west and were driven out of state after state. In verse 33, they were hard-working farmers. They reproduced very rapidly since they had multiple wives. And there are still some fundamentalist Mormons. So he talks about the polygamous Mormons here mm -hmm. in his revelation. He evidently was up on this. The fundamentalist Mormons who are going strong, even though the Mormons have supposedly stopped the practice of polygamy, it really helps to increase your numbers. So that's the bottom line, is increasing our numbers. That's what it's all about to Moses David Byrd. Yeah. And so this is where the parallel comes in. Now, I left the cult in 1973, when he actually gave that first revelation in 73. That wasn't the reason I left it, though. Uh, the way I came out of the children of God was what I do today in evangelism, whether I'm evangelizing polygamous, fundamentalist Mormons, or Latter-day Saints, or Jehovah's Witnesses, or others. I had a pastor uh, that I was raised in the Baptist church, but this pastor was very loving and kind, and I respected him. And my mother took the Mo letters and she said, before you go headlong into this, I want you to go see your pastor just one more time. So I went to see my pastor. I gave him some Mo letters to read. I, th I actually thought he would like them. I thought he would be encouraged by them and, and maybe even want to convert the church over like hmm. Sidney Rigdon did with, hmm. with Joseph Smith. And so he said, do you mind if I write on these? And I said, these are yours to keep. So he went through them and he wrote down, read a paragraph, wrote down a Bible verse. He'd read more and write down a Bible verse. And he'd read more and he'd turn a page and he'd go through his Bible and write down another Bible verse. And then he sat down on the couch beside me, like we're sitting side by side right now. He didn't sit at a desk condescending to me, looking over me, shaming me or anything. He sat side by side with me. He said, Kurt, here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to take the Mo letter from your prophet. I'd like you to take the Bible. Read the verse that Mo wrote, and I want you to read the Bible verse just as loudly. So I read what Mo wrote, I read the Bible verse, and I saw the contradiction. Wow. But yeah. I didn't want to let him know. I had too much pride, too much involved in this group. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about all the other people I knew there. Mm -hmm. So I did the next verse and then the Bible. Next verse in the Bible, and I saw these contradictions one by one by one. He wasn't saying much beyond that, just letting me read it out loud. And as a matter of fact, he would encourage word. me, now read the Bible just as loudly, Kurt. Yeah. And as I read it, I could see the contradiction. God's Holy Spirit was beginning to speak to me. And I broke down crying, and I said to my pastor, Pastor, am I going to hell? He said, no, you're already born again, and I had been saved earlier. Uh -huh. He said, what you need to do and I, I share this message with others. What you need to do is repent. Mm. 
and come back to the faith. Mm -hmm. And so I put aside all the Mo letters. I came back to Christianity, and he opened up his library to me. And that's where I began learning theology was from my childhood pastor. Yeah. He gave me all of his the theological library to read. Anything I wanted, I could check out with a secretary. Yeah. And he taught me systematic theology when I was 18 years old. And so I was learning so, a lot of this. So then. how old were you when you joined, and how old were you when you left? 17 when I joined, and 18 when I left. So you were only in there only for in about a year. year. And people have said to me, well, that was a short time. But then I think, how long do you have to be deceived before you realize that it's well, false? Yeah, being deceived is, That's is right. whether it's short or long time is not good at all. That's right. Um, w w did, did Moses David Berg um, talk about polygamy as being something God required? Did he say that it was necessary for salvation like well, the Mormons do? Or That's one of the differences. No, he didn't make it essential. As a matter of fact, most of the members did not participate in it, but they did endorse it for him. Uh, I found it very interesting in the history of how Joseph Smith practiced it secretly and then finally came out with his written revelation and Hiram mm -hmm. went and read it to Emma. Mm -hmm and totally devastated her. Right. Uh, Moses David Berg did the same thing. What Mo did was secretly practiced it until it was discovered, then he kept it secret still from the other members. We didn't know about it. See, they start you out at a babe level. I, was, I never got out of the babe level. Mm -hmm. Then you become a child, then you become an adult. Mm -hmm. So with Moses David Berg, he kept it a secret. When it was discovered, then they had a big meeting. And his wife was present in the meeting. She didn't know this was going to happen. And he says, well, the Lord really is the one, just like Joseph Smith, the Lord is the one who taught me this. The Lord is the one who told me this, but I don't know if I should do it. Well, then people would stand oh. up and they'd start prophesying uh, to Mo, telling him, God is commanding you to say it. And this meeting lasted 19 hours. Oh, my goodness. Finally, he revelation on polygamy, humiliated his wife, devastated her during this meeting, very much like what Joseph Smith did when high went to Emma and read the revelation to her. Yeah. So I see so much of a parallel between the women, the wives uh, of Emma and, and uh, Moses David Berg's first wife, Jane. Yeah. Uh, and she was just devastated with this. But then yeah. after one night of prayer, just like Emma, she came back and said, God told me to accept it. Hmm. And of course, he had it already written in his prophecy that just like Joseph Smith did with Emma, that you will be damned if you don't. We, you will be committing blasphemy if you don't. So Moses, Moses Berg said that. David said Berg that said that. He said that to his wife, Jean, just like Joseph damned. Smith did to Emma and wrote about her in the prophecy. So who, who was allowed to or not allowed to live polygamy in, in the children of God? Actually, there weren't that many people who did uh, participate in it. Most of them were, by that time, into the fruity fishing. So they did more of a wife sharing rather than actually saying we're polygamous. Moses David Berg is the one who went on record with the words about polygamy. The others consider themselves to be polygamous in that sense, but uh, they also shared wives, and, and uh, Mo shared other people's wives, even the, the ones who weren't married to him. He had five wives, but he also shared other wives. So these are uh, very, very clearly another group of people where Jesus was talking about the wolves among the sheep. That's right. Where they, they will deceive, That's deceive right. them with their pernicious teachings. You said there are other parallels with, uh, with the children of God and Joseph Smith's teachings. What other parallels did you have? Well, one of the parallels I just capped on was new revelation. Yeah. Both of them had new revelation. They would not exist without new revelation. So they have to have two kinds of new revelation. 
extra-biblical revelation, and that's the Mo letters outside of the Bible. And with the Mormon church, you have the Doctrine and Covenants, whether it's the fundamentalist Mormons or the uh, Utah Mormons. You have the uh, Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price is extra-biblical revelation. Right. These are completely separate from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Then you have what I call alteration of the Bible. They both took Bible uh, terms and Bible phrases and they altered the meaning of them. This is where we get into our semantics, mm -hmm. such as I, I shared about uh, the Gospel of John where they said, no, no greater love has a man than this, and yeah. he lays down his life for his friend. So he interprets the word lay down mean to go to bed with someone. Yes. So that's an alteration of the Bible. So they have extra biblical revelation and they actually change God's word by altering it. And by altering and putting a, a totally twisted interpretation yes. on the words that and then are there. The denial of the Trinity is another thing. They, they messed with God himself. They didn't want to believe. Joseph Smith didn't believe in the Trinity. He called the Trinity a giant or a monster. Right. And Moses David Berg came, a, came around too and denied the Trinity. Now, we believed in the Trinity when I first joined it. But then he changed the Trinity into a different being altogether. So they morphed it just like the Mormons Yes, just like the Mormons did. And so there, you see these parallels, the parallels of, of open sexuality or, or expanded sexuality in the group itself. You have the parallel of extra-biblical revelation, the parallel of changing who God is, and the uh, alteration of the Bible itself. Um, when this, I wish our viewers could understand how serious these things are, mm -hmm. the things you just mentioned, how serious they really are. Um, when you decided to leave, did you have did did you t go back to the group and tell anybody you were leaving? And That's was really there any pressure? Were there was there any problem doing that? That is very interesting. You brought that out. No, I was I was at that pastor's office when I actually made the break. Uh huh. And then the children of God came rolling into town on their on their bus. They they traveled in a lot of buses, and I went down to what was called Lincoln Park in Marion, Ohio, and I saw them dancing in the circle, playing their guitars, singing the songs that I already had memorized, and I just had this pull to want to be with them. So I hmm. called the pastor. Hmm. I called another pastor, and I said, "What do I do? I mean, I just feel like this this urge to be with them, but I know mentally." intellectually it's wrong because the Bible does not teach what they teach but I, this emotion inside of me yeah. just wants yeah. to be with them so there is a, yeah. a breaking period where you don't know really what to do so he said you know what I'll be right down to he told me to stay put I came down there he said now let's turn that love that you have for them into evangelism mm -hmm. so he went with me right into the group we started telling them about how I broke away from it and how I found God's Word to be true. And I've been doing it that way ever since. Wow. And that's how the Lord turned this into evangelism, wow. was that pastor's and, guidance. And that happens so much with people who leave um, this culture, whether it's polygamy groups or, or the Mormon church. They'll be pulled back into it. And, and whether by design or, or just by habit or, or mm -hmm. their love for the people that are in it. Well, you and, miss it. You the, miss it because it was such an important part of your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And yet that pull is there. It can't be denied. How they don't always have, not everybody has someone they'll get in the car and run down there to their That's side. Right. What should they do when they feel that pull? After the pastor did that one time with me, then I was able to carry on from there and I, I finally kept the mental challenge straight that I am to love these people for Jesus Christ. They are a mission field, in fact, 
in Christianity at that time. And then as they separated from Christianity, they became even a greater mission field. But mm -hmm. they were a mission mm -hmm. field. Just like these pastors in Salt Lake City saw Utah with both fundamentalists and uh, the Utah Mormon Church, they saw it as a mission field and said, let's reach them with the gospel with of the Jesus church. Christ. And so long as I could keep that straight, I had, I had no problem going out and evangelizing them. As a matter of fact, it wasn't too many years after I moved to the West Coast, I was standing at Temple Square and a young person came up to me and handed me a Mo letter. And here they were in Salt Lake City. Wow. The Children of God, the family they were called by that time. They changed their uh -huh. names three times from Children of God to the family to the Family International. And he handed me a Mo letter. And I was able to witness to him right out there wow. at Temple Square and tell him that he was in a cult. And that, uh, that he actually had been led astray by Mo and that I was one time a member of the group. So they are all over the place, or were all over the place at that time. Today they're smaller than what they were since he died. But, but they're still uh, international, aren't they? They're still international, okay. yes. There's a house of them right down in Whittier, California, uh, all living together and doing the things they do. Mm. But uh, still, how do you deal with that emotion of wanting to be with them? You turn it into evangelism. Right. You go out and reach them for and, Jesus and Christ. Reach them for the truth. Now, did you have any Christians in your family? And what happened? You had an incident with your grandmother when you left. Well, yes. Uh, actually, a very interesting thing. Uh, I had never heard the Mormon message at the time I left in 1973. And uh, my grandmother evidently felt that I was ripe for the Mormon church. So when I left that cult, the children of God, she sent the Mormon missionaries, as she called it, the elders, to come see you. Uh, you need help, Kurt. I was going to send the Mormon elders. And so I sat down and I went through the flip chart studies with them. That was back in, in the day when they had these notebooks with flip charts showing uh, pictures. Mm -hmm. And as they would sit there so nice, nicely poised and very uh, nice people in the way they spoke, they had the, the script memorized. Uh, Mr. Brown, uh, they showed uh, a prophet, supposed to be Moses, writing scripture. Said, Mr. Brown, wouldn't it be good to know that God has a prophet like Moses today? And then they flipped to the next chart. Well, he does. And it's Joseph Smith translating the book of Mormon from the mm -hmm. gold plates. And so I said, well, excuse me, gentlemen, been there, done that. I had a prophet. His name was Moses David Berg. He gave revelation. And so I saw all these parallels. I thought, oh, no, my grandmother's in a cult. Oh, She's dear. in the same thing that I was you in. And so the more they that. went through the studies, the more I realized something's wrong with the Mormon message, too. And that it was the same thing as what I found in the children of God. New revelation outside of the Bible, altering what the Bible says, and doctrines about God that's inconsistent with the Bible. Yeah. So as we would go through this, the Mormon missionaries just said, we've never met anyone like you. And I said, why? Well, I've never, never heard a message like yours. And, <laughs> and that's when I, I found Walter Martin's book called The Kingdom of the Cults at mm -hmm. a Christian bookstore. Mm -hmm. And I found out that Mormonism wasn't the only one. There's a whole host of groups yes, out there, there altering who God there is and changing who Jesus Christ is, our Savior. changing who He is and changing His message of salvation Yes, and all of that. We have a lot more to talk about, but right now uh, we're going to break for our uh, message that we have uh, in the middle of the show here, and then we're going to open up the telephone lines, and you can call in to ask our guest a uh, question or comments. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20, um, so you can begin calling in, and while we're waiting for the calls to come in, we'll show you our ministry message. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. 
This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. Uh, this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am Doris Hansen, your host, and we are interviewing uh, Kurt Van Gordon, who has been a previous member of a religion called the Children of God. We've been discussing some of the parallels with that uh, religion and the religion of this culture with the Mormonism or the polygamy groups because the leader, Moses David Berg, uh, actually cited Joseph Smith and also brought his people into living polygamy as well, along with other parallels that we have talked about. Uh, between the two groups. We've opened up our telephone lines. We'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. Give us a call, and we'd be happy to answer your questions, our guest uh, to answer or make any comments. Um, uh, Kurt, in your evangelism of Utah, you have encountered your evangelism in Utah. Mm -hmm. of Utah. But you've encountered many polygamists and you talked about the time when during one of your trips in uh, Utah County about the brief encounter that you had with a woman 
who yes. was killed by the Lafferty brothers. Yes. Would you tell our viewers Brenda. about that ex experience? Uh, Brenda Lafferty. Actually, I didn't have the uh, encounter. It was one of our mission team workers. But what, we, what we've done in our mission has been to go door to door. That's one of the ways that we've done mission work. And we also do outreaches like special events with the Utah State Fair, or Utah County Fair, Salt Lake County Fair, and different events around the state like that. But in this particular situation, in 1984, we had been going through all of American Fork because I, I actually had helped pastor a church in American Fork, so it was a special place for us. Uh -huh. And uh, we had gone door to door to every house and every apartment in American Fork. And uh, when my wife and I were coming back from Salt Lake City right after the Pioneer Day Parade, uh, we heard on the news that there had been a horrible murder that took place in American Fork. Well, we kept records of every house we went to, what it was as literature that had been dropped off, and if there was somebody home, what their response was. And a pastor who came out of our mission, like I mentioned Rob Savolka as one of our missionaries, another pastor who came out of our mission is a man named uh, Jim Woodcock in Lake Elsinore, California. And he was actually the one who went to their door and had given the gospel literature. He was just a young man at the time. And two days before she was murdered by the Lafferty brothers, the gospel literature had been delivered to her door, and it said in the record that he went to the door and the lady answered the door. He didn't mm -hmm. get a first name, mm -hmm. but she was the only one there, Brenda Lafferty. Uh -huh. uh, and then it was a horrible thing where the Lafferty brothers, uh, Ron and Dan, had killed her uh, with the idea that her blood needed to be atoned, and for some reason her baby's blood needed to be atoned, so they killed the, her infant the blood child. Atonement, yeah, yes. that horrible but, evil thing. That's not the only polygamist that we deal with. We, we, I've talked with polygamists in Colorado City, in Hillsdale, and a few moments ago, they did a close-up of some, a, a photograph of Moses David Berg. Mm -hmm. I have uh, some also they could show that this is a polygamous man in uh, Provo. His name is Ernest, and I witnessed to him for a number of times with, he had a bookstore. Now there was also another polygamous bookstore that's his books uh, you see in the background. Another polygamous bookstore in Salt Lake City I used to visit back in the 1970s. And having that background with the children of God, I felt there was an affinity that I could mm -hmm. sit down and talk with him. Mm -hmm. Now he, uh, this is him with his two wives. And, and mm -hmm. often I would go in the bookstore and talk with uh, Ernest and, and his two wives that are pictured here uh, along with uh, one of their children. Uh, but Ernest would be very open. He was actually known in Provo as part of the Mormon underground. Hmm. He not only disseminated polygamy information to BYU students, which sort of is an interesting idea well, in itself, but he also disseminated it uh, through the whole area. Uh, and I would pick up a lot of his information that way. Now this uh, is me at the LDS conference one year, uh, witnessing to a polygamous man who's holding a sign. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is one of the, uh, you probably recognize his picture, as Harold Blackmore, uh, who has uh, members down here. I've witnessed to their members. I've, met, I've witnessed to members of the group that you were in, the Kingston, the Kingston clan. Group, yeah. And uh, this is us witnessing to a polygamous couple at our Utah State Fair booth. Uh, this man brought his wife, and I have this all the time. I've, uh -huh. I've had several polygamists who are repeat uh, customers, I guess you could say. We don't sell anything, but they come and they just want to talk about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And they come year after year and have new conversations with mm -hmm. us. And they're very open. This man was very open. He allowed us to tape record his conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, I am a polygamist. I'm a fundamentalist Latter-day Saint. So uh, 
Now this one, I didn't expect to uh, have that there, but this is actually what we need to be watching for in the future. This happened two weeks ago in Brazil. Brazil approved a union for three people, yeah. a husband and two wives. Yeah. So it's polygamy in a whole new realm mm -hmm. known as, even though we call it polygamy, it's known in the United States as polyamorous. So this mm -hmm. is the new word we need to be watching out for. 112 groups spreading coast to coast, as you see in this graph that I have, in every state practically, you've got polygamists yeah. who are using a new term now saying, well, we are escaping the polygamy laws by calling ourselves polyamorous. Hmm. And this it's a whole new realm of polygamy today. And this, these are people we need to reach out to with the gospel. You betcha. Because they need to know. most of them uh, are drawing it from New Testament scripture, Old Testament scripture, which the New Testament does not say that. Mm -hmm. But they're drawing it from Old Testament scripture. And they're little independent groups. And what I've noticed in Utah is this. You have two kinds of polygamists. The larger group, like the uh, Kingston clan, the Blackmores, and different groups that broke off from uh, 1890 forward. And then you have what I see with the Lafferty's and people like that who were patriarchal. And that's where yeah. it's one family. You mm -hmm. have the singers, you mm -hmm. have the swamps, yeah. you have patriarchal family when the patriarch dies and it's just the family doing that. it. Yes, that's there's true. a lot of them. And, and I'd like to mention right here, this book, we've offered it on the show before, it's called, is Polygamy Biblical, and it's a Bible study on polygamy. Oh, it brings wonderful. up polygamy in the Bible, and why um, why it, God really never did command it, and it's not a requirement for salvation, it never has been, never will be. God's plan of salvation involves Jesus Christ alone. And But anyway, I will, again, we will continue to send this out free to anyone who will email us tv at aboutplygamy.com and ask for it that's we'll wonderful. send it to you now, I can we've, got, get, we've got some calls i can in, get so we, all those 119 groups and we can mail that to those groups if you'd it. like to let's do it and send it to the all yeah. the polyamorous groups out uh -huh. and do you know that england now takes no stand on polygamy they are allowing polygamy in england and australia allows it too with no punishment Montana, it's only a $500 fine if you're caught in polygamy, or, or as they say, bigamous marriages. It's no longer a great punishment. Like in Utah, uh, with, with the uh, prosecution they've done here, it's no longer the great punishments that it used to have. And that's true. And in fact, they don't, they don't even punish it at all here. They don't, uh, they don't take even uh, charge them with it now uh, well, Not after Tom but, Green. But our, <laughs> our message remains the same anyway. Uh, and our ministry remains the same because polygamy, Joseph Smith polygamy is polygamy for salvation. You've got to do this to please God. You've got that's, to do this to get into eternal, the celestial that's glory, the and that's all a lie. And that's so right. our message will remain the same. Well, let's take a couple of phone calls here and see what our viewers would like to uh, ask us. On line three, we have a call from Parker. Hello, uh, Parker. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Okay. Um, so, I was wondering, I have this family that goes to my school, and they have, like, four of the girls in the same grade, they're the exact same age, and, and there have been rumors that they are polygamous, and I was just wondering, like, if it, how illegal is it, and how prosecutable is it? 
Well, we were just actually talking about yes. that. It obviously it is not legal, but it is they're not prosecuting polygamists unless they unless there is some kind of a abuse, child abuse, or uh, illegal activity other than polygamy going on in the home. So, so back in the 1800s, when they made polygamy like illegal, then um, why is it not anymore? It, it's always been illegal. Oh. It's always. Oh. It never was not illegal. And it still is illegal. They're just not prosecuting oh. it. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Did you have anything did you well, want to say about that? We could talk about the Edmonds Act in the 1860s and then the Edmonds Tucker Act in the 1880s, uh, which absolutely uh, made it a uh, congressional act. Mm -hmm. to make it illegal in all the, the 50 federal. states. The That's federal. right. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, you, you must remember, Utah was a territory. Actually, it was a, uh, several portions of the United States had not yet been divided into states. Mm -hmm. Utah didn't become a state until 1892. Well, when they came, first came here, though, it was Mexican territory. Yes. It, was, it was a territory in Mexico, and Mexico's laws are against polygamy as well. They didn't enforce them, but they were still right. anti-polygamy. Right. Okay, we have line two, Tom calling from West Jordan. Hello, Tom. Hi. Hello, you're on the air. Thanks. What's your question? Oh, hello. Yes, you're on the air. What's hey, your question? I, I got the volume turned down. I'm looking at both of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's your hey, question? Uh, I'm just, uh, I, I'm 41 years old. I've lived here all my life in Utah. Uh, I've lived here all my life. Uh, lived in Bluffdale, Utah. Uh, pretty prominent on the LDS religion. Uh, I was my grandfather was raised LDS. Uh, he tried to. My my mother my mother and father were not. Do what you can do. If you don't like it, don't do it. Their attitude. Uh, I have no attitude on any religion or anything. I'm agnostic. I sit on the fence, swinging my feet across the fence, just wondering if uh, once I do pass away, is someone going to grab me by my cheek and say? Do you believe in me now? Well, you need to find out before you pass away, by the way. You do need to do that. It'll be too late once you're there. I know. I, I, I know that. Um, so what's your question? Do you have a question that you need to uh, or well, comment? My, my, the wife I'm married to right now, she was she was uh, baptized in the LDS church and stuff and did the church thing and everything. And then uh, she, she's, what do you call them, Jack Mormons now. <laughs> she doesn't do any of that now. Uh, my one daughter uh, was baptized in the LDS church, and I didn't attend it because I told my wife I don't follow it, I don't believe in it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now I've got a nine-year-old daughter who now wants to be baptized, which I don't know. I, I've asked her what's the purpose of it uh, for her, and she's wondering, kind of look at me like, what's the reason why to get baptized? Do you have a question, this? Tom? And I have no answers for her. Do you want an answer on baptism? Is that your question? It is. It, it, it's, uh, I, have, I have the missionaries coming around every, all the time, talking and stuff, and uh, I've told them I've heard this all these years. Uh, I let my kids decide what they want. I have an older son that was never baptized. Okay, so, so your question, Tom, is what is the reason for baptism? Is that your question? Exactly. Okay, we're going to give you the biblical reason for it in your answer, not the Mormon reason. I'd let you do that. Okay, that's, that's kind of what I want, because <laughs> I, I know the true baptism on one side, but the way they want to do it is grabbing, 
grab an eight-year-old kid, have a big party for it, and there you go. And okay. I think that's why my daughter wants to have a baptism. Is Well, there's no doubt there's some pressure going on, but let our guest explain it to you, okay? Well, yeah. Tom, thank you for calling in. Thank you for your question. Uh, the first thing I'll say is 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 makes it very clear where the Apostle Paul says the gospel, what saves us, is not baptism. He said, for Christ sent me to preach the gospel and not to baptize. And this is when they were having all of the wars about some are baptized of Apollos, some of, of Cephas, and some of others. But he says that's not what the gospel message is. Salvation does not come through baptism. I'm sent to preach the gospel and not to baptize. So if baptism were part of our salvation, Paul would certainly have changed it there. We also do not have Jesus baptizing in the New Testament. Right. He did it uh, in, in the Gospel of John. It said that he in, participated in baptism, but it said that the disciples actually did the baptizing. I mean, you would think if the disciples actually did the baptizing for Christ, and Christ did not take someone and put them under the water himself, you would think if that was part of salvation, then he would have been doing it. He's the Savior. That's uh, he right. would have done it. Yes. He would have done it. Mm -hmm. And then one more thing is I want to encourage you to look into the book of Romans about baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of what God has done inside of us. And what God has done when you become a born-again Christian, Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 17, you must be born again. Mm -hmm. And this is what being saved is all about, the Holy Spirit coming within us and becoming a part of our lives by regenerating us what was old is past and that's what baptism is it's the old nature is put down and the new nature is risen symbolically that's what baptism does mm -hmm. is tells us I remember the day of my baptism that's where I laid down the old man and the new man rose in Christ and that's our future resurrection symbolized there as well where Jesus is called the firstborn of all creation and the first of the resurrection and then all of us symbolizing that in our lives through baptism Look that up but in the I book have, of Romans. I, I, sorry to interrupt you. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I've always said to myself, even as a youngster, uh, Jesus is my Savior. And I've, I've known that for, I'm 41 years old, and I've, I, I knew that when I was six, years, six seven years old. Um, is there a question in the Mormon religion, though, uh, even 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 growing up here in Utah and stuff like that, after after listening to everybody and everything like that, and they look at me, and I say, "Well, Jesus is my Savior." What's? They look at me kind of staring. Is there a problem with asking that to someone who, who is your Savior? And I say, "Jesus is my Savior," and they kind of look at me funny, like, "Well, okay, that's true, but there's another Savior for us." Is there? Is he your Lord? He is. is Jesus your Lord? Yes. He, can't, he can't be your Lord if you're an agnostic. And he, he's no. not going to be your Savior if he's I, not I, your Lord. Well, my, my theory is on this. I hate saying agnostic or anything like this. The sitting on the fence kind of guy. But I, I do believe Jesus is my Savior. He died for me. And that's that's how I feel. Well, but you need to be in the Bible to discover to be sure he's your savior. He is the savior, but he's not yes. your savior until True. you he is have, my savior. Until you have when, taken him when personally. You have, but when you have so many religions out there that believe in other things and they have and other twists and stuff. Just the Bible, sir. other stuff out there. Uh, I, I'm following Jesus. Okay. The Jesus of the Bible. That's what you need to do. So if you're reading the Bible... Yeah. 
Okay, you had something you wanted to share here. Well, there's a passage I'd like to share with you, Tom, from Matthew chapter 7, what Jesus said himself about those who appeal to his name. And you're appealing to his name. You're saying, well, I know Jesus is the Savior. There are hundreds of groups and lots of individuals out there who use the same words as what you do. So the real question is, what does it mean? And here's what Jesus said himself. In verse 21 of Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So you could even call him Lord, Lord to the superlative degree shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So if they know the name Jesus and they know that he should be called Lord, why is it they aren't entering into heaven? They shall, uh, not everyone who says to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And this is what Doris is telling you. The will of God is that you come to the word of God Meet Jesus on his terms and not your terms. And then you'll be doing the will of the Father by listening to what he says. But verse 22 is so important. Many, not just a few, but many, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? So they knew the name of Jesus. They knew how to prophesy in his name, which goes along with Moses David Berg, prophesying in the name of Jesus, Joseph Smith, prophesying in the name of Jesus. The, the polygamous fundamentalist leaders prophesying in the name of Jesus. Many will do that. And have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done mighty works or wonders in your name? And Jesus said, then I would declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice iniquity. So with the personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not whether we know his name. It's whether he knows your name, Tom. And how will you know if Jesus knows your name is by going to his word and following the plan of salvation. Right. That we're all sinners. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve the wrath of God. But the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood that he poured out on that cross became the appeasement of God's wrath toward your life, Tom, and toward my life and everyone else's life. That became the appeasement of God. It satisfied God. In other words, if God is satisfied, nothing else can be added to it then. Either God was satisfied with the blood sacrifice of Jesus or He wasn't. And the Bible says He became the propitiation for our sins and not just for ours, but for the whole world. 1 John 2, verse 2. And so Jesus died for your sins. You've heard that so many times, I'm sure, on radio and television and by people you know. But he died for your sins is not just a, a free statement we make. It is a statement of theology that this is how your sins are eradicated is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you apply that blood to your life by asking for forgiveness of your sins, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, Tom. That's what it takes, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Right. So see, the scripture gives us the answer to the questions you're asking, and that is, how are we saved? How do we, you can know all about the name of Jesus, but does he know you? In that day, it's going to matter whether he will know Doris's name, he'll know my name. I'm asking you, Tom, will he know your name? And you need to do that before you die, not after, wondering what's going to happen to you. And we are getting close to the end of the show, so we do have to go now. But, Tom, you can email us and get more information during this. We'll do everything we can to help you, but you do need to be sure that you know Jesus and that he knows you. 
Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Well, okay. thank you, Tom. Good night. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for watching. Good night. Okay, uh, we've only got uh, a minute left to go on the show. I want to thank you uh, for coming and sharing. Well, and there was a lot to talk about, and we talked about some of it. Um, I'd like to close by saying that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher yes. of our faith. He is to be the only object of our faith. We're not to look to anyone else but Jesus. He is to be our hope and our confidence. And we are not to focus on to ourselves or on our works or on our family or on our church or on our church leadership. If the foundation of your faith is less than 2,000 years old, you have the wrong faith. And if you're Joseph Smith, is the author of your faith, you also have the wrong faith. We're supposed to be looking at Jesus, not Joseph. If celestial marriage is the author of, or the finisher of your faith, you've got the wrong faith. If you're looking onto anything or anybody else except Jesus, whatever or whoever it is might be blocking your view so you can't see the beauty of the truth in Jesus Christ. God forbids us to add anything to his salvation plan. Uh, Galatians 5 warns us that if we depend upon our own work, it will cause us to fall from grace and then Jesus will be of no effect for us at all. The warning is imperative. Don't pay attention to anybody but Jesus and Jesus alone. We must heed Hebrews 12 too. Look unto Jesus and thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.